You're listening to the College Info Geek Podcast, where it's all about learning more, paying off your student debt, landing your dream job, and being awesome at college. Now, here's your host, Thomas Frank. Oh man, if only I could speak just like that guy. Let me tell you, I would quit this and go get picked up to voice a character on Legend of Korra or something. But, no worries there, because it's not going to happen anytime soon. Anyway, welcome back to the College Info Geek Podcast, Episode 2, and I am super, super excited for this episode today, because today marks the start of the interview part of this podcast. Um, One of my biggest goals with this podcast is to interview experts, entrepreneurs, and basically everyone I look up to, and get them to spill the beans on how they got to where they got, and how you can do the same, because... I know you hear me say this all the time, but I want to help you be awesome at college and, by extension, awesome at life as well. So, these interviews will help you get the specific uh, tricks and strategies that these people actually use in their own lives and how you can apply them to your life as well. Let's get into it. Today's episode features one of my good friends who I've known for a couple years. His name is Leo Viedreich. He is the co-founder of the app called Buffer at BufferApp.com, which is an uh, app that started out as a tweet scheduler, but now is basically just a social media scheduler. So if you want to schedule an update to Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter, you can put it into Buffer and it will schedule it for a specific time so it'll be seen by more people. Awesome app. I've been using it ever since I started blogging, which is why I interviewed Leo a couple years ago. And now that Buffer has absolutely exploded in popularity as has Leo's own personal, um, I guess, fame, you could say. I wanted to come back and interview him again to see what tactics he's using to grow his business today. So without any further ado, let's get into the episode's content. Let's get into the interview and uh, enjoy. All right, so let's dive right in. I've got Leo Viedreich with me here on Skype. How you doing, Leo? Uh, Hey, Thomas. Doing really well. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, it's been like about two years, I think, since I interviewed you last time. And at that point, Buffer was just, you know, fledgling startup, just starting. And I think you were still in college, actually, when you were writing guest posts for Joel and helping him do the marketing. Um, But before we dive into the progress you've made and everything you've gotten done, let's just kind of recap. What is uh, Buffer? Can you tell the readers? Sure. So um, Buffer helps you post smarter to Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn uh, at the same time. And uh, we help you also to space out and schedule those updates so you can find a bunch of, you know, links that you want to share. Just add them to the buffer queue and we post them for you. And uh, we just focus on making it super, super simple from your browser or from mobile apps, from anywhere to just share to social media consistently. Okay, that's awesome. So when you were starting out, it was just Twitter. And now obviously you've added some more social networks, LinkedIn. Uh, You said Google Plus as well now? Uh, unfortunately, not quite. We're just waiting for the API to come out, but uh, once once they do that, we'll be right on it. Okay, and then obviously Facebook. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about how the company has come along in the past two years, the, kind of the growth that's happened, what's happened with you guys and the team? Definitely. So um, we since we last spoke, I think we must have had only like maybe a couple thousand users, um, and uh, I think we, we just about to hit the 500,000 uh, now. Wow, and uh, so so that's kind of been we've kind of grown five um, x uh, and last year, and then I think like maybe like twenty x the year before, and uh, yeah, it's been super exciting. So we're also making good revenues now that we can sustain um, eight people who are working for the company, 
So we are we are making about a million dollar in annual revenue uh, on a on a runway uh, perspective, and uh, yeah, it's super exciting. We continue to grow, you know, twenty fifteen percent month over month, and uh, it's uh, it, it's definitely an, an an exciting ride right now. So you guys are pulling in one million dollars for what is essentially a tweet scheduler, you know, a social media update scheduler. Would you have ever thought that when you started out, it would get that big? Uh, never, never. When we started, <laughs> um, I think the, the key goal always was with Buffer to to have have it sustain Joel and my personal lifestyle. So if we could make like a couple thousand dollars a month, where we could just you know pay our pay our bills with that, we thought like, wow, if, if it gets that far, it would be crazy, right? And yeah. And the fact that it went just way beyond that, and we could you know make all the things happen that we we could we made happen in the past. Um, so far, we're just super grateful for that. That you know, we had the privilege and, and and the opportunity to do that. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So obviously, it has gone a bit past the point where it can just support you guys, and it has grown up. And because of that, you were actually able to make the decision to drop out of college and pursue that full time, which is the really interesting thing to me. So, can you talk about like your feelings about dropping out of college and going full time into the startup world? Definitely, I think it's a very, very important topic, and and people, you know, often, fortunately, often get inspired, right? They say, "Oh, I want to do my own thing as well," and like, you know, how do you have the, the courage to do that? And and the key thing, and I wrote a brief, brief blog post about that. I really try to explain it to people. The key line I always want to, you know, emphasize to anyone is, um, I didn't drop out of college to do a startup. Uh, I did a startup, which got traction and that was the reason I had to drop out of college because I didn't have the time anymore. So I always, you know, emphasize that I I still was in college up until like uh, six months ago. And 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 that was super, super important because it meant that um if anything had gone wrong, I could have just gone back and, and continue studying, right? So right. I, I was like, you know, I, I for the first year I just took a year out. That's all I did. Uh, I, I went there and said, hey Hey guys, um, you know, it was even scheduled. Everyone in my course did a year working at, in, in this year. And they're like, hey, I'd, I'm not going to work for someone else. I just work, will continue and see whether this this thing I'm working on might, you know, um, pan out in the way I thought it would. So it was very risk-free, right? And and, and I think that's the key thing. Try to make it as tight. Try to get the pressure off yourself, right? Don't be like, okay, I'm going to drop out and I don't have a startup idea, but I will find something and I'll make it happen into a big startup. That's a lot of pressure on yourself, right? And you're like, wow, like how are you gonna make that happen, right? And like I was like, well, in college you've got so much time already. Stay in college, you know, just do lots of side projects, right? If one of them works out, right. then you can take a semester out, right? And then you just see it grow, and maybe you know if you get funding and it does really well, then it's a good point where you can, you know, have some of the, you know, kind of, you still need to take some risk, but you have some of the, some of those things taken care of. So that's that's how is I would describe my kind of thinking and, and process of dropping out. And as someone who's done the whole semester off, which was your original intention, and as someone who's probably done a lot of talking to people in your industry, um, do you think that's, you know, for anyone who's thinking like, I can't drop out for a semester, I can't skip that time, is that okay to do? Um, I, I, I absolutely think so. I think um, when you get the signal, right, you get the signal that you've started to work on something that requires a bit more time of just besides your studies, right? 
and that's mm -hmm. a strong signal that's that means like like let's it's hard to put you know a, a tag on that but like if you if we would give you a couple of examples to say like you know your company is now making say 10 grand a month right that's a strong signal or your uh, your uh, your your user base has reached a million users or has reached half a million users right um, I think those are signals where you know you would should think strongly of like just giving it a try for for half a year or a year to say you know try and work it out with your college go there and say like hey guys you know I, I don't want to drop out I, I want to continue doing this I just you know feel like this look this is a great opportunity I just want to go for that for half a year I'll be back you know and 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 and, and without you know comparing myself to, to him but Mark Zuckerberg did, did the very same thing right he didn't drop out until like Facebook had like millions and millions of users and he just said like oh, I'll just take a month off uh, take a semester off and and then I'll, I'll come back so I think that's is that's kind of you know take look for the signals you've got a strong signal it makes sense if it doesn't then probably you're right that you think it doesn't make sense to to you know lose that time right so say you do get that strong signal and you're really feeling that, yes, I should, you know, take a semester off and pursue this. But unlike unlike Facebook or unlike Buffer, it doesn't pan out. How would you leverage that experience to come back and justify your time away from your studies? Um, I think that that would be huge at that point. At that point, you have learned so much. You've you've taken the risk. You've taken the jump, right? You've You've seen something. You had an intuition. You had some proof and you went for it. I think you can use that in so many different ways, right? I mean, half a year at the end of the day is nothing, right? What's or even a year is nothing, right? So mm -hmm. even if you're a year behind, like if you want to work for another company and you say like, hey, look, guys, I just took a year out to try and do my own company. I think that's that's huge. I mean, I just think about... Um, is it yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, your connection cut out for uh, a second. Uh, uh, can you repeat the end of that? Sure. So the... The, the, the key is that I think the, this experience is so valuable that, you know, anyone you speak to, especially if you would come to me, I'll, let's just put it that way. If you would come to me and say like, hey, um, I was five years in college because one year I just went to the own startup and, and, and it failed. Then I'm like, wow, you're hired. Right. So like, you know, that kind of emphasis, I think, is what this gets because it sets you apart from everyone else. Right. Nearly no one else does this kind of crazy stuff. So you really have something to show you have you're exposing yourself, you're making yourself vulnerable, and it, whenever you make yourself vulnerable, I think you 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 show that you're growing, you're learning, and, and, and anyone who wants to work with you or if you want to do another company looks for that. Right. I think that's in, an incredibly important thing for students to keep in mind, that if you do make yourself vulnerable and you do go and take the risk, even if it doesn't pan out, it's something you went out and tried, and it really does set you apart. So definitely agree with you there. So well, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, and talk about your work at Buffer. So what you do is mainly the marketing, social outreach kind of stuff. Can you talk about basically your day-to-day, -day, what you do from you know a normal in-the-trenches kind of perspective? Definitely. So so my day-to-day role at Buffer is actually two-sided. So I do, I do BD, uh, so business development and uh, marketing. Uh, and the business development side is very clearly defined. So we have a, a Buffer API so that other apps can add to Buffer from, you know, from via their users, right? So that can be a newsreader, right? So a great example is Feedly, for example. It's a fantastic newsreader for, for the web and iPhone and Android. And whenever you read, you you want to just, you know, you're probably reading a bunch of things in a row and, like, they only have the tweet button and it's kind of not that good to share. So, I, I, you know, I worked with them and a lot of our users asked us as well and said, like, hey, 
you know, buffer button would make sense, right? Or being able to buffer from Feedly would make sense, right? And then it's like, yeah, that's interesting. And then, you know, I work with them and see if we can make the integration happen. And then, so that's kind of, you know, the BD area. I work with a lot of like apps as well as, you know, uh, publishers. So we recently found some great data that, you know, uh, we, we did an example, an experiment on the Kissmetrics blog and adding the buffer button increases, you know, uh, clicks um, back to back to the, their blog by 400 every week. Uh, and so we went there, went to them and, said, and, 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 and used that data and went to other publishers and said, like, hey, you want an extra 400 clicks every week on your blog? You know, like here's, you know, you can try the buffer button. It helps your users share a better time and you will get more traffic. So, so these are the two BD kind of areas that I work on. On the marketing side, I, I continue to blog. So I, I blog on the Buffer blog. Uh, I blog on my own blog every so often. And that's kind of a great way to kind of um, keep the brand very kind of vivid, keep the brand very alive, keep people mm -hmm. feel like, oh, there's real people writing interesting stuff. Um, and I also do a lot of the press and, uh, and more copywriting um, whatever, like can people get in, in touch with interviews? I think so. Those are the two things on the on the marketing side that I, that I focus on mainly. Cool. So it sounds like since you started, your responsibilities have actually increased a bit. Um, when you started out, it was just kind of writing the guest posts to get Buffer's name out there, and now you've added the BD stuff on. So my question for you is, how much do you think your studies in college actually actually contributed to the skills you have that allow you to do this work, and how much? Is uh, just the work you've been doing over the past two years been contributing to it? Yeah, that's a, that's that's a that's a fantastic question. Um, I always say that you know college has not helped me with anything I'm I'm, I'm doing there in terms of what I've, what I've learned in courses and so forth, and 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 that's naturally because I'm in in the if you're in the internet industry, you're learning things that are at the at the bleeding edge, right? And and and. Education in general is always, you know, five, ten years at best behind. So you know, there's no way they could they could teach you some of these things. Um, so uh, the the thing that I always try to emphasize is that even though I didn't feel any of the courses were useful for me, the environment shaped me a lot and shaped my thinking a lot. And uh, I think being at university is very, very powerful not to study, but because of the people that are there, because of the people you can work with and like, you know, you find a buddy and you start a project and, you know, you work your ass off and you're in this kind of bubble environment. If it's like a campus university and you just, you know, hack away day and night. And like, this is, this is what I think college is, is unique for, you know, you can just, you know, play around with things. It's a playground, right? You can choose to party every day or you can choose to work on your side projects, right? It's like, there's no, you can set your own rules. You can do whatever you feel intuitively is right for you. And that's where I think, a lot of my thinking has been uh, shaped and helped me then to to go on and do things, cool things with Buffer. Awesome. So speaking of that, you know, the idea of finding a buddy and you know hacking on stuff—that's what you did with Joel. Um, what are your tips for students who want to find a startup founder to work for, or just another person to start their own gig with? How do you get connected with people that are interested in that kind of stuff? Definitely. Um, so my my my. My key thing that I always tell to tell people when when this kind of question comes up is, do things with the idea that you will do it by yourself. So if you're not technical, learn to code, get technical, and uh, and do whatever you can to put a prototype out there or put a landing page out there to to get validation and proof of your idea of what you want to work on. And uh, if you're technical, just get started uh, and and build a great startup. 
And the reason I say this is I, I still think it's great to find a co-founder, right? Um, but I think the validation and the way it should happen should be organic, right? You shouldn't you shouldn't sit down with someone and say like, hey, yeah, let's do a startup together, and then you think of an idea. I think it should be more organic in a sense of like you have a problem that you you're working on you, that you feel every day that really pains you, and you start you know building this prototype. And you get some users, you get some feedback, and then you find someone technical along the way and you show him what you've done. You're like, hey, look, I've done this and people saying this and they want to build this and I'm kind of at my, at my, at my technical limits. You know, is this something you're interested in? And that, that's how you get started talking. And this guy's like, wow, you know, even though he's not technical, he's already built some, some cool shit. Like, I'm going to, that's cool, right? Like, this guy's serious. I want to get involved. I want to, like, help him take this further. He already has some validation. This idea is, like, not just you know, something that he thought about. And, and, and that's kind of, I think, the best approach. It's just get started, build something great, put something out there, and then talk with lots of people along the way and see if someone is a great fit to, you know, to, to come on board with your project. All right, I agree totally with that. You know, just get started and get your own things going. So I noticed on your Facebook profile that, you know, even though you're a marketing guy, you've been going through Codecademy tutorials and teaching yourself how to code. So even though you're not, on the technical side of things and you don't do the technical things on your day to day, you obviously think it is worth learning that. And, you know, how has your experience been with learning to code? Do you think it's improved your life? Do you think it's opened more opportunities for you? And would you recommend it? I, I genuinely believe everyone should learn to code. I, I think if you take it 20, 30 years from now, if you can't code, it's like you can't read today. Um, I think it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's super, super important. Like, I think being able to code just gives you the power to create uh, in, in today's world. It gives you the power to do whatever you set out to do. You don't feel like, oh, I have this idea, but I need to wait for a technical co-founder, right? I think this is like, this is an idea of the past. This is a setup of the past. Like anyone can like, especially like, if you learn something like Ruby on Rails, this is like super, super, you know, you know, very, very great tutorials set out. You can start building projects with no experience right away. Um, so I think, Personally, for myself, I just want to have the freedom of like whatever I do after Buffer, like be like, hey, I want to put my prototype out there, I want to test it, I want to get feedback, without having anyone, you know, kind of that I that I'm dependent on. So that's my personal kind of approach to it, and I think that anyone else um, who wants to make a difference, I think being able to code is is the way to go. Yeah, that's. That's an awesome perspective. I totally agree. It, for me personally, being able to code has saved me. I mean, on the one hand, it's just saved me a bunch of money that I don't have to spend buying products that are built for people who can't code. But on the other hand, it's just kind of expanded my you know, horizons and perspective on what I can build. So definitely agree with you there. Um, so I guess I want to go into the last section of the interview here. And I want to talk about your personal blog yourself because you, you do a lot of guest posting and a lot of networking for Buffer itself, but you also have your own blog, which is Leo Starts Up. And uh, how long have you been running that one? Um, probably like a year and a half, something like okay. that. Okay. Yeah. And how do you think that blog has helped build your own personal brand and helped you connect with people? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one because really the content of that blog is a little bit different as you, as you might have seen from anything else that I put out there uh, traditionally. And I think the key difference is that... Um, my personal blog is more to help me think. It's not necessarily to like 
you know, gain traction. Of course, there's side effects, right? They want to like build my personal brand, but it's more like to, for me, to put thoughts out there that I have in my head and I want to have more clearer and I put them on paper. And uh, it, it's it's coming from this great line from uh, from Tim Ferriss who says like writing is the fastest way to improve your thinking, and I one hundred percent agree with that. And that's probably the the reason I, I blog on my personal blog. So it's very personal things. It's like I, high level concepts. It's like things where I believe if I put them out there, they will help other people. They help myself understand this concept better. So it's very much a a way of of, of kind of improving myself, growing. By just expressing ideas without that kind of like looking for more followers, looking for more subscribers, which of course is important and is part of it, but is not the initial idea. For example, the Buffer blog obviously is it's, it's designed to help Buffer grow bigger, right? And right. my personal blog is is less focused on you know conceptually copywriting stuff that gets super super viral, right? It's mm-hmm. more about like, hey, I just got this idea. I think some other people might find it interesting as well. I'll put it out there. So I'd say it's kind of a different. It's it's more like a, I don't know how 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 you would, I would call that, but more like a, like a hobby. My my like uh, every so often I put something cool on there. Right, and that's so you get more kind of introspective benefits through that blog, whereas on the Buffer blog you're going to actually get the traction. Exactly. And with the personal one, that's probably going to be you know more enticing for someone who doesn't have a huge following already or who hasn't been doing this for two years because that's an immediate benefit so what would you say to a person i guess i should backtrack a little bit i talk a lot about building your own personal website and establishing yeah. a personal brand how important that is for gaining traction in the professional world but a lot of people say you know that's great and all well but i don't want to start a blog because that's so much time i have to spend writing and no one's going to read it you know no one's going to look at my stuff why would i want to spend time doing that yeah. what would you say to a person that has that concern i think I think that person who says that is is right. <laughs> no one will read this stuff for a long time, and uh, that's how you start out with. So what I what I would tell someone like this is like say, okay, well if no one's going to read it, and this would be your motivation to do it, then you need to find a different motivation to do it. And uh, I I think the key is to to say, okay, well why else would I want to do that, right? Why else would I want to write? And I come back to this like, well, you've got thoughts, you want to, you know, develop your thinking, you want to, you know, have better ideas, you want to have more concrete ideas, more solid thoughts, and writing helps you do that, right? So even if no one, if no one ever reads your post, it's still worth to write. And once you realize that, right, then you say like, oh, that's great. I can I can I can get started. I don't have to wait. I don't have to be anxious. Like, oh, can I get a few likes? Can I get a few tweets? You know, you know, you obviously work on that. You always have that on the side, but you put your first post out there and you're just happy because you put your thoughts from your head onto the screen. And, and that's how, what you do and that's what you repeat over and over. You, 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 you repeat the great ideas you have every day from your head onto the screen. And then over time, you know, more people will get interested. They help you shape your writing, help you shape your thinking. And, and I think that will be the approach to, 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 to take. Yeah, and I guess with that way, you, don't, you also don't have to worry about frequency. You know, am I blogging enough? Think, Am I writing long enough posts, you know, kind of thing? I think the frequency is still important, and uh, I think the length okay. is also still important. I just think that you need to be able to motivate yourself, right? And and uh, if the motivation is that you want to have a thousand readers and you're start just starting out, that's not going to work, right? So I think it's still good to you know to kind of schedule things to be like, okay, every week I want to write one article, which is around seven hundred words, and uh, it's going to be 
one thing that really concerned me that week or one thing that I really felt was an aha moment that I wanted to share with everyone that week. And then, and then you start putting this stuff out there, right? And you start reading it yourself and you're like, oh, that was really great. That emphasizes it for me, what I've learned. And then, you know, slowly a couple of people will also chip in and, and you find it interesting, comment and, and so forth. And that's how I think you, you set the ball rolling in a very organic and intuitive way without like, you know, feeling like, oh, no one's reading it. Like, I think just be like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm excited just whilst writing it. And that's the goal. That's it. You've arrived, right? And okay. but I would still set like a schedule and like still try and be disciplined about, you know, the, the how. Right. So we've established that blogging is, you know, kind of a personal thing as well as a public thing. Um, I want to kind of segue into another question that I've actually been getting from a few people. And that is like, hey, Tom, you know, you already have your stuff out there and people can see it. But I'm just starting. You know, I want to do great work, but I also want people to notice it. So what are some ways that students can get their work out there and get noticed by the people they want to notice their work? Definitely. So I think the key development I've seen in myself is that, you know, once you start putting stuff out there, uh, your circle of friends changes dramatically. The people you interact with changes dramatically because chances are that when you're starting out, the close, the people you're closest to are not people you're putting stuff out there. Um, and, and what you need is support, right? What you need is people telling you like, Hey, that was awesome. When is the next post coming out? Right. Or people even, even better would be people being like, Oh, that was great post. I just wrote three posts this week. Let me know if you have a chance. And you're like, oh, wow, this guy, like, I wrote this. So you'll be, like, inspired and, like, you kind of find this group. So I think when you're just getting started, trying to, you know, whichever your, your kind of niche is, whichever your, your field is, you know, if you say, like, hey, I want to start, I'm super interested in cars, right? And you start blogging your personal blog about the best cars you think you see every day or you're insp- that inspire you. You start and go looking for people who also like cars, right? You start to go on Twitter. You start to find other car blogs. You start to interact with them. You start to, you know, comment on there. You start to tweet their stuff. You start to Facebook their stuff. Become friends with them on Facebook. Hit them up on email. Do guest posts for them. Uh, I think these would be the techniques, you know, that I would use to get known and get, like you say, get in touch with the right people, right? And gradually, you will spend more and more time doing that, right? And then they will come back to your blog, and they will be the real people who will also be interested in cars because they've got their own car blog. And then that's how you kind of, you know, build this environment, this community, uh, where where you get more and more people involved, um, and 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 get get things off the ground. Uh, the other thing, you know, that, that clearly happens is you you use your own circle of friends, right? So you you post it to your own Facebook, to your own Twitter, if you already have it. And um, the, the chances are that these people, they, they don't put things out there. And so there's a bit of a risk there, which is completely fine to take. And the risk being that these guys can be cynical. They can be, you know, criticizing because that's just, right. you know, they're just making fun or be like they're just trying to make a joke. But really, they're kind of hurting you because, you know, you, you're so new to this. You're just putting it out there. You're making yourself so vulnerable, right? So anyone, what anyone says kind of has an impact on you. Um, so I, I would try to, you know, use that as kind of initial validation, but I would never try and use that as, uh, I would try and use that as initial maybe traffic or like, you know, just to have something going, but I would never try and use that as, you know, should I continue or not? I would always try and go and find the right niche to get right. that sort of, you know, validation. So that, that's just something that I also noticed on, you know, happening for myself. I completely agree with that. When I was starting out, you know, I had a lot of people 
who would say it's great, but I had a lot of people who would like make fun of me or why are you on the internet that kind of stuff. Exactly. And you know, that kind of stuff can get to you and make you quit if you let it do that. So, mm-hmm. um, so our time is almost up. I have one last question for you. And I just want to ask you, what is one, you know, super actionable tip students can use today to start building, you know, their network, start getting out and getting their work out there and just get the ball rolling. Definitely. I think, you know, if, if, if I want to just, you know, put something out there and start, you know, being involved, I would focus on, on Twitter. And I think I said that probably in the last interview as well. Uh, I think if Twitter is just so amazing in terms of your network is so much more flexible, right? If, if I would tell you start on Facebook, everyone is already on Facebook, right? But their circle of friends is kind of different. It's like high school friends or college friends. It's not friends who are really interested in the type of stuff that you want to be known for. Um, so I think start with Twitter. Make a Twitter profile today. Start following a couple of people you really think inspire you to do you know, great work in the field you want to do it. And then start tweeting, start putting stuff out there, find great links, put them out there, reply to people, interact with people, just start on Twitter and, 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 and build this you know, initial following and everything else comes later. You will notice yourself, oh, now I've got a Twitter and then, you know, I've, got a, I've got a few people interacting with me. Um, maybe I should start a blog. Maybe I should start a prototype of one product. Maybe should, you know, but you don't have to think about this today. Like you say, if it's today, get get all of this set up get all of this like going and make it easy on yourself as the first step don't overwhelm yourself don't start the twitter start your twitter accounts write your first blog post and then like get also get on google plus and start your first youtube video right so this is gonna maybe you'll make it happen on the first day but if the second day comes around you'll be like fuck i need to do all this again just take it easy right take baby steps at the start so you can keep going for a long time right totally agree. that's awesome advice and you know i totally agree get right on twitter it's super useful. Thank you so much for doing this interview with me. You know, this is great advice and I cannot wait to get this out to students. Awesome. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, I hope you liked that interview with Leo Viedreich. There was some awesome, incredibly actionable tips in there. Great guy. has had great success in his life. So I hope you put some of those tips to work in your own life. Definitely get on Twitter. Start following people in your industry, people you admire. And just start the conversation that can do a lot to help you in your professional life. Um, I would suggest definitely following Leo on Twitter. He is uh, at LeoWid, that is L-E-O-W-I-D. Tweets great tips and great articles. You can also connect with me on Twitter if you'd like. I am at Tom Frankly. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of the College of Geek Podcast. If you did enjoy it and you're really nice, I would absolutely love it if you would go into iTunes and leave me a review or a rating I definitely love getting feedback, love hearing what you liked, what you didn't like. Just give me your opinions. That would be awesome. You can go to collegeinfogeek.com slash iTunes to be redirected straight to the iTunes podcast listing, or you can just simply look us up on iTunes, uh, College Info Geek Podcast. And if you want to get the show notes for this episode with any links that I think are important, then you can go to collegeinfogeek.com slash cast and then click on the episode 2 link and you'll see everything you need to find there. You will you will also be able to download the episode straight from that page if you want. I'm going to try to get a video of this interview up as well in the coming days. So if you want to show that video to your friends or just watch it yourself, that'll be available to you. If you think this interview was helpful, then send it to a friend. All right, so be on the lookout for the next podcast episode coming out soon. And I hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening to the College Info Geek Podcast. Grow your brain even more at www.collegeinfogeek.com.